Are you an athlete who would like to maximize your performance to succeed at the top level? Head on over to my website at jacobandre.com and book a free 15-minute discovery call to discover if and how I can help you. G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body Show episode number 71. Today, I'm speaking to Ryan Nyhouse. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, mate. It's good to be here. What did we interrupt today for you? Um, not much. Uh, Time did him well coming home from work. Um, I'm, a, yeah, I'm a year 10 teacher, so so I'll knock off early, just doing some boring chores around home. Um, and yeah. What are those, what, what are those boring chores? What are you supposed to be doing? Um, I've been away the last couple of weekends. So just, um, just the tedious cleaning of the car kind of, I reckon that's a good indicator of how, how sorted your life is. If your car's a mess, probably means like <laughs> you're struggling at the moment, but if you can get your car clean, it means you're, you're on top of, on top of everything else. That's my theory. Anyway, <laughs> I'm trying, like to get that. <laughs> trying to get that clean. How's your car looking? Well, actually, it does need a clean. The outside of it, I reckon, is about like a centimetre deep in dust. And the oh. inside, I've cleaned it all out, but it needs a vacuum. And I've just got these new um, sheepskin seat covers actually last week that's so comfortable. Nice. Yeah, I was um, more, yeah also referring to the inside, the interior. <laughs> if the interior is clean, I reckon like that's a good sign. You just you got your, got your stuff together. Oh, how, how good is a car, though, that's, like, freshly vacuumed and had, like, armour all, like, wiped down on all, like, the surfaces, like, yeah, it's a nice, so nice. It's a nice feeling. And I went, I went covers as well, and then you, you <laughs> I actually went and got my car professionally cleaned at one of those, like, car washes, like, Casarina right. car park, and it cost, like, over 300 bucks. But, man, it was immaculate. It was like the yeah. car was brand new. I highly recommend it. All right. Noted. If I can't get my life <laughs> together, I'll be, um, I'll be hitting them up. <laughs> Talk about, um, you know, having a dirty car. Is your car dirty because you've been out doing lots of camping? Because I know you love the camping. I love, you know, you love your drones and getting your footage. Yeah. And you love the outdoor lifestyle of the Northern Territory. Is that why the car is dirty? Uh, I wish that was the case. We normally, my partner's got a full drive as well. So we tend to take that out um, and do most of our exploring with her Hilux. But, um, no, it's just, um, just laziness, I think, unfortunately. I haven't got around to washing it in a while either, so it's probably the next step. But um, no, you're right. Unfortunately, it's starting to heat up now, so I think the the drone footage is going to um, slow down a little bit going into the into the wet season. But um, yeah, I do enjoy getting out and exploring our backyard. We're pretty um, pretty fortunate to live where we are or where we do, and um, yeah, trying to make the most of it. Where's your favourite camping spot, or is that a secret? Um, we actually went to Surprise Falls. I think my last, um, yeah, drone video I put together was from Sandy Creek, Surprise Falls. That's just got a fair bit of sentimental value, I guess. We used to go there every second weekend as a family growing up with me and my brothers. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely up there for sure. And you mentioned that you've just come over from school. You're a year 10 teacher. Why did you get into teaching and, and what's it like? Uh, yeah, it's, I got into it, um, I don't know, while I was playing footy, um, we obviously have to, you know, at that top level, um, a lot of our time is spent out in the community doing clinics and engaging with um, young people and 
um, something just that just came pretty naturally to me um, and something I really enjoyed and um, get a kick out of, you know, seeing kids grow and, and learn something and, um, you know, something, yeah, something I'd, I really value and um, get a lot out of and it motivates me. So um, I guess that's probably where that came from. Even before footy, like once I finished school, I was working uh, in primary schools uh, with special needs kids and, and similar thing, just kind of so rewarding um, seeing them, you know, seeing them grow and, and learn and um, take steps forward. So, yeah, that probably just carried me through, um, you know, into uni and kind of set me on this on this path initially. Um, in terms of, you know, the enjoyment and how I'm finding it, um, it's my first year out of uni, so I'm definitely learning a lot, still very raw. Um, and I guess, you know, at that age as, as well, like teaching year 10s, I don't think any university can prepare you for um, dealing with 15-year-old girls and the, and the drama and um, the fights and the stuff, the things you have to deal with, I guess, that, that comes from that, you know, on a weekly basis. Um, Keeps you on your toes, but yeah, it's, um, no, I'm enjoying it. I've got a, I've got a good crew, um, and a good class. So yeah, enjoying it. So there's probably going to be some students listening to this episode and I work at a school right near the school that you work at. So yeah. what do you, what advice do you have for those year 10s as well as those year 11s and 12s in life, in general? In general? In life? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I mean, you got to take your opportunities, I think, in everything you do. Um, Chris Anstey, former NBA player, came and spoke to my class actually just about, um, you know, opportunities. You know, you can't prepare for opportunities. Um, you know, often the, the first jobs you make or the connections you make um, are by chance and you've just got to be open to, um, to those things occurring. Um, so I talk to my kids a lot about it, um, you know, in terms of that engagement and being motivated and just being open to, to trying new things. Um, you know, the school that I work at, there's plenty of opportunities. Um, we do work placement and we go out. There's a lot of life skill aspects to um, the school or, you know, the model um, that my, my school um, values. And, um, yeah, so probably my advice is just being open to trying new things. Um, you never know where, where that will take you and, and you know, the people you'll meet from, from being open, um, yeah, is invaluable. Yeah. So this show is called The Mind Your Body Show, and I'm interested to know how do you mind your body these days? And what I mean by that is how do you look after yourself? What do you do these days to look after yourself? Yeah, so um, a lot of football, a lot of my fitness and, um, you know, workouts and, and programs revolve around that and um, competing you know, at a, at a high level, um, you know, Premier League footy and NT. Um, so, yeah, I guess at the moment we're training three times a week. It's, it's pre-season for us up here. Um, I played a handful of games in Cairns in the, in the off-season just to, you know, tick the, tick the legs over and, um, you know, keep the skills relatively high or good. Um, but, yeah, I, yeah. Most of my prep, obviously a bit of strength work during the week, but a lot of it just flows into, into training at the moment. Um, yeah, a lot of the load comes from that. Uh, we're training Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, down the road. So 
yeah, that's um, it's keeping me keeping me busy at the moment and wearing me out already. <laughs> all right, let's go back and hear the Ryan Nyhouse story. So taking me right back to childhood, where did it all begin and how did you end up where you are today? Yeah, um, I was born up here, so I'm a, I'm a Darwin kid, born and bred. Um, did my whole schooling up here, just down, down the road at Marara College. Um, oh, all of it, from like from grade yeah. one through? Yeah, yep. transition to year 12, um, which is a long stint. And I think I was ready... Yeah, I was, I was definitely ready to get out of there earlier than year 12, to be honest. But um, yeah, mum worked there, so we didn't have much say. And she was um, yeah, keeping a close eye on us, me and my brothers. So uh, we couldn't venture too far, unfortunately. But um, yeah, had a, had a pretty normal childhood, very fortunate, um, very encouraging, um, supportive parents. Um, me and my brothers have always gotten along. So yeah. Um, yeah, very fortunate in that regard. So I guess just moved around, you know, a few places in Darwin. Um, yeah, always played, always played footy up here. Um, and yeah, just adventured around, plenty of camping, um, going out to Nancy Dam, jet skiing, just um, doing boy things and um, yeah, navigating, I guess, life and, and school. Um, from there, yeah, I'd, in terms of the football journey, I kind of came through um, the junior program at Nycliffe. I started there as a 13-year-old. Um, kind of worked my way up through the junior system um, until I was about 18. You know, started playing Premier League footy. Um, and from there, um, you know, kind of did a bit of timing and and, um, and growth and development at the right time, and um, yeah, kind of ended up on a on an AFL list. Went through the, um, you know, had a really good year as a 19 year old um, at Nycliffe, just as a lockdown defender, playing on some some high profile, you know, ex AFL players that would come up and um, kind of building a resume and um, that way. And then had a season in the Meeple. Um, we were fortunate enough to win. The Neefle Premiership that year under Xavier Clark and um, some few, you know, big territory names floating around in that side, and obviously took a lot from that. And from there, um, yeah, as I said, timing was, you know, play some good games um, at the right time, and and some, you know, when the recruiters were obviously floating around, and um, yeah, and was it twenty? I'm going to say 2015, 2016. It was like a long time ago now. Um, yeah, was was lucky enough to get picked up by um, by Frio in the rookie draft, and um, yeah, that was kind of I guess that's the end of um, my initial Darwin, you know, my childhood, I guess, up until that stage. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of a, a snapshot, I guess, of of my life growing up in in Darwin. Well, let's dive in there. So how old were you when you played your first Premier League game? Uh, I would have been 17 or 18. Um, and it wasn't really, like soccer was my priority, my main sport really until I was um, 16 or 17. I wasn't actually, um, you know, very good at footy. I was playing in a forward pocket. Um, like, yeah, at one stage playing Div 2 under 16s. Um, just battling away like 
was probably a bit timid and and scared. Um, and not, yeah, as I said, soccer was probably my my preference at that stage. And then yeah, I don't know what clicks. Um, my parents talk about it a bit, but I think going back to the soccer season, I was playing in the NT side and we played in the in the 18s or the men's grade, and you know came across a lot bigger bodies and um, just got used to that contact. And I think. From there, I just, um, yeah, something clicked and um, I was able to put some good seasons together and, um, yeah, pretty much went from being a, a Div 2 16s player to um, an under-18s captain and making the rep side and um, building some good training habits and, and learning how to get the best out of myself. Um, yeah, probably from, from that 17, 18 onwards. Um, yeah, to answer your question, I was about... 17 or 18 once I, when I um, got the call up and um, Damien Hale was the coach at the time. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of boys have moved on from Nycliffe since then, but um, yeah, those those were important years, I guess, in my, in my footy development for sure. So what local club were you playing for when you were playing soccer? Uh, I was at Mindal Aces, probably from um, under 14s through to... Premier League, like I was playing Premier League there as well. Um, and yeah, kind of got to the point where, you know, you, you're 17 or 18, you, you can't really, your body can't cope or you don't have enough time to commit to both. So um, ended up choosing, yeah, the, the footy pathway, I guess, in terms of the rep stuff, um, just based on uh, like facilities and I guess path or potential pathways. Um, Obviously, soccer's a, an international game, and I just thought, you know, the, the funding that was going into um, NT Thunder and the junior program at that stage was, um, yeah, was was a lot better, or there was a lot more opportunities going down that path. Yeah, I've interviewed a few uh, local footballers in the previous episodes: Anthony Vallejo, Ryan Ayres, Aaron Motlop. And they talk about that Nifal Premiership, particularly Aaron, uh, who I think was the captain. Am I correct? Yeah. 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 So, what was that like being involved with that group? Um, oh, it was great. As you said, uh, there were some great leaders amongst that group. There was a real um, club feel, I guess. A lot of boys would refer to that NT Thunder um, club as their as their club, you know, their club of choice or their their. Um, you know, their childhood club, I guess, um, over the NCFL side. And, um, yeah, Xavier Clark was able just, just to build a really good culture, um, one where, you know, boys were playing for each other, even though they'd been playing, you know, a lot. The core group had been playing together for a long time. I think he was able to just build something special um, with that group in particular. Um, as I said, there, yeah, there's some really good leaders. Um, Cameron Islets, Aaron Motlops, um, you know, who, who played a lot of league footy by that stage that were there just to, um, you know, help us younger boys with that transition. And, um, you know, I'd, I kind of felt comfortable walking into that environment. I'd feel, um, you know, overwhelmed or intimidated by those, those um, you know, those older boys. And it's probably a good sign of, sign of leadership. Um, but yeah, it was um, uh, it's uh, something I look back on fondly. I've got you know a signed jersey somewhere from that premiership game, and it was uh, 
yeah, the game, you know, that grand final itself was, um, we talked about that for a while as well. Just, um, I think they had, well, they did have a kick after the sign to win the game. So could have been a very different um, experience. And I guess that that's footy a lot of the time. But um, no, I look back and similar to those first years of Premier League footy at night, but, you know, that really helps shape my development and, and set me up well for, um, you know, the, the structure and the discipline required at that level kind of helps me or helps set me up for um, what would be, you know, a couple of years on, on an AFL list. Yeah. What were the biggest things you took away from your time at Nycliffe in terms of what were they doing that it allowed you to, you know, develop and go from Div 2 under 16 through to Premier League and then ultimately getting drafted to the Dockers? Uh, and, and what, what, um, strategies were in place to help develop you and, and what what do you put it down to that you know that's a big jump in your performance yeah yeah it is um i think i mean damien hale is renowned for playing juniors and giving juniors time to develop at that top level um every coach is different i guess but he yeah he especially um, put a lot of time into you know those younger boys even if they weren't ready he would um you know it would it would allow you just to find your feet and get comfortable. You didn't have to worry about you know putting four or five great games together or getting dropped. Um, you know you could have a you could have a poor game, um, and get that feedback and and he'd back you into to make those adjustments the following week. So um, you know once as I said when I probably started playing Premier League footy, um, I probably wasn't wasn't quite ready. Like um, I'd definitely grown a lot. And um, found that confidence within myself, but I probably wasn't, you know, Premier League material initially. Um, and I guess the roles, especially in my role, you have, you know, you've got to, you got to trust that I'm able to do those um, and play, you know, shut down those, you know, influential players. So, you know, I got a lot of trust from him just to execute those roles, and um, it's probably enough pressure on me. And I just learnt to. Um, you know, to cope with that pressure and, um, you know, execute game day. But, um, you know, yeah, that, uh, that probably played a big role in, in that development, I guess, just, you know, him having the confidence in me to perform on game day, probably, um, instilled a lot of self-confidence in myself. And, um, yeah, from there, I was able to just keep growing and having that, uh, you know, that healthy trajectory. Um, yeah, it kind of set me up for, for NEFL and then, um, you know, flying on into, into that AFL system. So you mentioned that you played a shutdown role on some former AFL players. Do you remember some of the names and can you share who they were? Uh, Stephen Milne was probably the, like the, the biggest one I'd played on up here. I think he came, he came and played for St. Mary's. Um, and that was probably my first big role. Um, and at the time, I think he'd, you know, he'd only been out of it, the AFL system a handful of years so he was still um you know a pretty big name to have up here and um not quite on any bets as well but similar kind of brought that you know brought spectators down and had that um x factor about him so um yeah i don't know how well i slept those nights leading up to that but um yeah he was probably the main one definitely um you know ross like ross tongue and some of the those Larry, um, 
you know, indigenous players up here as well. I'd often, um, you know, have to have to go to them. We played the St. Mary's and the Tiwis and um, just try to nullify their influence and um, take them out of the game. But yeah, Stephen Milne was probably the main one. Um, and then I guess once you got to that NEFL level, you're playing um, against the Sydney Swans reserve side and the GWS reserve side, you know, Brisbane reserve side. So there was some handy listed players um, in those squads as well that, yeah, I'd, I'd be able to um, do a job on or was assigned to do a job on, you know, brought spectators down and had that um, X factor about him. So, um, yeah, I don't know how well I slept those nights leading up to that, but um, yeah, he was probably the main one. Definitely, um, you know, Ross, like Ross Tungatalam and some of the, those blurry, um, you know, indigenous players up here as well. I'd often, um, you know, have to, have to go to them. We played the St. Mary's and the Tiwis and, um, just try to nullify their influence and, um, take them out of the game. But yeah, Stephen Milne was probably the main one. Um, and then I guess once you got to that NEFL level, you're playing, um, against, the Sydney Swans reserve side and the GWS reserve side, you know, Brisbane reserve side. So there was some handy listed players um, in those squads as well that, yeah, I'd, I'd be able to um, do a job on or was assigned to do a job on. Are you an Aussie rules footballer who would like to maximise your performance to succeed at the top level? My Australian rules football dynamic group coaching program is a 12-phase program that has been curated from my 15 plus years working as a strength and conditioning coach with local footballers right through to AFLW players at Adelaide and Richmond. To get instant access to my Australian Rules Football Dynamic Group Coaching Program, simply head on over to jacobandre.com forward slash Australian dash rules dash football. So from your experiences playing at Nycliffe as a junior and then through to Premier League and then the NEFL Premiership, you then were drafted to three mental dockers. Tell me about that moment finding it. Actually, but just before that, were you talking to any clubs before that before you had your name read out? So after the NEFL Premiership, um, myself and a couple of other young boys were invited to the state combine, um, which isn't a net, like a step down from the national combine, kind of a smaller version of that. We do the beep test, there's recruiters there. Um, I spoke to a handful of clubs um, that were probably just ticking a box at the time and um, hadn't really heard much, you know, after that, that was said and done, like tested pretty well, had a good, had a good, um, you know, 20 meter sprint time and my vertical was, was good. So I was happy with how I tested, but wasn't really enough, um, to kind of put my, you know, back myself and, and, uh, you know, pencil me in for a, a, a list spot. That's for sure. Um, and I don't know when it happens, but, um, some stage that the MT talent manager got a call from yeah from Fremantle out of the blue who was who was at that state combine um, and they yeah basically said we're coming up to see they probably to be honest they were probably up here to see Daniel Rioli and they just um, just ticking a box and um, wanted to see me as well um, but they ended up coming up and um, they had dinner at at my, at my house and like we cooked them a meal and um, yeah, good, good meal too, um, <laughs> trying to impress. But um, yeah, so they came up 
and yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So, so question, who cooked the meal? Did you cook the meal or did your mum cook the meal? Nah, mum. Mum cooked what, it. Do you remember what she cooked? Uh, I don't even think it was the meal. I think they'd just come off the islands like after from seeing or interviewing Daniel and um, they would like, they had heat stroke and we had this big like outdoor fan, like a mist fan yeah. on our balcony. I think that was like speaking to them years later, like that was that's all they remember. <laughs> they probably didn't remember. <laughs> I probably didn't even say anything that special. They were just like loving the this mist fan that we had on the balcony, <laughs> and I think it was like a potato bacon steak or like some nice steaks or something like that. I don't know, top shelf stuff. But yeah, we're all on our best behaviour. And but yeah, I think the fan fan got me a contract to be honest. <laughs> That's classic. I love it. Um, so on draft night or on well, rookie draft, so. Yeah. When you find out you're actually, it's all official, how'd that feel? What was that like? Yeah, it's not as elegant as like the national draft. I think back then the rookie draft was a day or two later. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't expecting to go. I hadn't had really any interest or um, communication with Rio since that initial interview where they came up. Um, but yeah, I got a call the night before the rookie draft, um, basically yeah, from the talent manager from uh, empty thunder just saying yep um real probably going to take you tomorrow um in the rookie draft so i was actually working at at a primary school up here um yeah vividly can remember this day um and i've taken i was just transitioning kids between classes or dealing with some behavioral problems and um you know looked at my watch thinking like far out like i'm gonna miss it um this, this rookie draft's happening online and they just um you just got to keep refreshing your browser because it just you know as a as a team makes their selection um you know it pops up so i remember yeah rushing back to the staff room just jumping on a laptop um i think it was pick there we go um I, was, I think i went pick 34 and um was it pick 32 or something and i was yeah just timed it perfectly and yeah refreshed like Holy crap! This is you know, Frio's got the next pick. If I'm if I'm going, it's it's um it's happening now. And yeah, sure enough, refreshed it. Like um, name popped up. You kind of go into a bit of shock. Well, I did anyway. And um yeah, moves pretty quick from there. Lots of phone calls and pretty much you know saying goodbye to saying goodbye to the staff and all the all the oldies in there. Just catch you later. I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, just uh, my parents yeah came to the school, and um, I think two days later I was I was on a, a beach in in southern WA uh, with all the other um, draftees, and um, yeah, straight into it. So it's a whirlwind couple of days. It goes quick, like once that once your name's called out. So um, so was anyone around you when you were sitting on the laptop? Was anyone around? Surely you jumped up. Uh, you, what did you do? Shed a tear? Did you? No, I didn't cry. It's probably I'm not an emotional man, really. But um, oh, yeah, I, I think I was just in shock. Like I was just, yeah, I was just um, couldn't believe that it was actually there. Like my name was there. Um, was anyone around? There was no you, one though? else. No, nah, there? there was no one there. There was no, there was no love. I was just going about it. Like <laughs> I think they they knew. Like work knew that it was that I was a chance to go that day. But um, no, nah, they didn't didn't gloss it up or get all the 
the students in an assembly or anything like that. This Wouldn't sounds be. really disappointing. <laughs> it's, I oh know. I wish it, yeah, I wish it was different, but nah, I don't probably, that's kind of my style anyway. I don't. Give, give me don't something. Know. Surely you fist pumped the air. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. went, yes. Yeah, I would have, for sure. I was by myself, so I would have, yeah, I would have been carrying on like a, like a girl at a Taylor Swift concert, I reckon. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. You made me lose my train of thought then with that Taylor Swift comment. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Uh, oh, sorry. Was so was Daniel drafted that year in the in the draft? Daniel Rioli. Yeah, yeah. He went to Richmond in the main draft. Uh, yeah, it would have been. I think he went top twenty or something like that. Like, yeah. yeah. And that was the and thing. So- like, lots of blokes. You hear stories about blokes speaking at 12, 15 clubs and then not getting drafted. So, I think I had reasonable expectations. Like, I wasn't. Um, you know, I wasn't banking on getting drafted, that's for sure. Up until, you know, even after they said, oh, you're probably going to go tomorrow. I was like, ah, I'll see it. Like, I'll believe it when I see it. But, um, yeah, he went, yeah, I'd, I'd say he's, he went, I think he went early picks in the main draft. Yeah, he's a, he's a gun. So you, you end up, you get down to Fremantle, then what's life like? Um, so I didn't play any like AFL games in my first season. Um, I guess as a rookie, normally the rookie, you know, the point of rookie contract is to put a year or two of development. Like you're a, it, they're taking a chance really. Um, you'll either, you know, come good and um, there's rookies that have played, you know, over 300 games. Um, like Dave Mundy from Frio was a rookie originally and ended up playing 300 plus games at Frio. So, um, but for me, it was, yeah, just, I went in pretty, pretty skinny. Um, I think I put on eight kilos or something in, in my first year. So yeah, a lot of gym, um, which was pretty foreign to me, really. Like we didn't do a lot of it at Empty Thunder. Um, obviously not at Nycliffe. Um, so yeah, just a lot of, a lot of gym time. Um, just a lot of running preseason, um, hot Perth summers, which probably, you know, didn't, didn't impact me as much as it would have, you know, some of the Vic boys that had been drafted, but um, yeah, some, some long running days and lots of, lots of laps of that oval um, still gives me nightmares, but um, yeah, just probably that first season, just a lot of um, just trying to put good performances together in, in the waffle, in the, in the reserve side at Peel Thunder um, and just trying to, you know, take on, be a sponge, get as much knowledge and game plan and structure into me as possible. Um, Ross Lyon, who was the coach at the time, is a, is a mastermind in terms of, you know, structures and um, his footy IQ is super high. So, um, but he can also be, you know, uh, hard to read, I guess, at times. So some of those meetings, you're kind of walking in either relaxed and, you know, then all of a sudden, like, you're crapping yourself because he's, you know, firing questions at you. Like, you've got to be switched on in those meetings. So, um, I guess coming from that NT system, it, it probably, that took me a while as well. That was probably the hardest thing, just getting used to all the structures, the different, you know, and I guess as a bystander, you probably think it's pretty a simple game and it, it can be at times, but, um, you know, at that level, you've got different structures for you know, different parts of the ground. There's probably, yeah, 10 to 20 different places you need to be 
you know, that's just, that's just ball ups. That's not even transitional footy. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, that um, took a lot, probably a year, probably just kind of building that into my game where it became natural enough to just play, play footy. But um, yeah, I had a similar role. I just kind of, I was drafted as a lockdown defender. So I was playing a similar role in the waffle at the time. I think Frio already had a, a handy lockdown defender. So probably just, um, yeah, waiting to push, push him over as he got too old. But um, who was that? Do you remember? Uh, Lee Spur. Lee Spur is his name. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a great man. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a unique, it's a unique situation to be in. You're kind of learning from these people and those, those guys are mentoring you. And then ultimately you're, you're actually trying to kick them out of their, kick them out of the side. So it's, um, it's definitely a unique environment in that, in that regard. Yeah. So you're at Fremantle at a very handy time for Fremantle. They had a very, obviously a very good coach in Ross Lyon, a very good list, very good team that was playing in the AFL. Uh, took to your second year, correct, to play your debut game. Yeah, and your debut yeah, game, right. your debut game was one of the best debut games in the history of the AFL, in my opinion, and I'm sure in plenty of people's opinions. I won't go as far to say the most memorable because I think that definitely goes hands down to Marlon Pickett, um, obviously playing oh. his debut game in, in the AFL Grand Final. But the second, we'll say the second best um, yeah. debut game. <laughs> And you went forward, you kicked four goals. I remember this game. I actually quite remember some of those goals quite vividly because it was one of, as I said, the best debut games ever. Tell me about finding out that you're playing, getting your parents there, I think, last minute, and then playing that game. Yeah, I'll take second best. I think there's been blokes who've got 30 disposals and three goals, like some some high numbers. But, um, no, it definitely was memorable, I think, um, yeah, everyone I speak to about my, you know, my AFL career will, yeah, will def- that'll probably, that's probably the first thing that comes to mind. Um, yeah, it's, it was, um, so I'd been elevated at that stage. You had to be elevated off the rookie list to play um, due to someone getting a long-term injury. Um, so I'd been able to put together a good, yeah, a good block of waffle games leading up to that. Um, and then... Yeah, got elevated, went over as, as an emergency for a handful of games. Um, similar, uh, started as an emergency on that trip. So packed my bags thinking, yeah, if someone went down, um, you know, and it's, again, it's different to today. We didn't have a, um, a sub as such. Like you had to, yeah, someone had to get sick or get injured in the warm up or, you know, something to happen prior to the game prior to that first bounce if you wanted to play. Um, so yeah, I found myself in that position a lot as an emergency, just flying without actually playing, which is, which is tough. But um, yeah, so Dave Mundy was um, flying over with the flu. Um, so yeah, like I'd, the doc, the club doc had kind of worded me up, that, hey, like he's not well, um, it's probably worth, you know, this, was, this might've been the night before, just kind of going, or that the morning before, um, just going, hey, like it's probably a chance, like, um, to play this weekend. So I kind of got on the phone, yeah, got on the phone to mum and dad. Um, real quickly, really, interesting that's the club doctor saying that <laughs> and not the head coach, or is that just the way it is? Uh, I think he, yeah, that's pretty standard. I think if you're, if you're sick, you kind of like you've got to be careful 
you know, what medication you're taking, like he would have been um, you know, fluids and stuff. He would have been pretty, his communication would have been more so with, um, I'm sure Ross was aware, but in terms of like how sick he was, I think, yeah, the club doc, um, yeah, it was, was probably the first thing at some stage Ross kind of said, hey, like, just be ready, something like that. Um, and yeah, so spoke to mum and dad, kind of said, hey, there's, there's a chance, like, it's probably worth just, um, you know, jumping on it and, you know, if I don't, if I don't play, at least, um, or if I do, you know, you're here for it, you don't regret missing it. So they jumped on a, jumped on a red eye, um, yeah, flew across with my brothers and, um, yeah, that stage, yeah, as you said, I went forward, um, obviously, yeah, got the call up, like, yep, Dave's, Dave's out, he's too sick, you're in. Um, we're going to play you as, as a, uh, a forward, um, a lockdown forward. It's a similar role, but just trying to negate, um, Robbie Tarrant, who was, uh, you know, he was rolling across half back, just kind of doing what, whatever he wanted. Um, nothing too, and it happens a lot in AFL. You get those guys that go forward just to try to stop those dangerous, influential defenders. So, you know, going into that game, I wasn't too, you know, overwhelmed. So I was like, well, it's the same thing I've been doing in the waffle, just at, the other end of the ground, if I can stop this bloke's, you know, impact on the game, um, you know, happy days. But um, yeah, it's fortunate enough. Kind of, they they started really really poorly, and there was just space everywhere. And I was yeah, kind of led. I remember leading up. It was just I didn't really know what I was doing to be honest. I hadn't trained as a forward, hadn't nailed my set shot routine, anything like that. It was just kind of playing on instincts. Um, but um, I was confident in what I'd done at waffle level. Like, didn't feel out of place. I was like, I'm, I'm ready for this opportunity. Um, yeah, let up, got a mark at 40 out. Um, first touch, yeah, kicked, kicked a set shot goal. And um, yeah, who knows what would have happened if I'd missed. I probably would have just gone into my shell and never played again. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. People kind of ask me about it and um it it definitely felt surreal uh yeah just everything just fell into place perfectly i couldn't um i couldn't do do that again if i tried i don't think um yeah i think just a bit it's just a bit of you know me taking my opportunity kind of working work my ass off to get to that stage and then you know wanting to make the most of it um didn't really feel nervous leading up to it but um, yeah, kind of kick some good goals, some crucial goals, a um, couple on the run. Um, yeah, I, I think I kicked the last two for the game and um, Todd Goldstein from North missed a, a sitter to, that would have put them, well, that would have won them the game. So similar to the Neeful grand final, the, the script could have been a lot different and I was praying that he missed it because with, um, yeah, I would have... Uh, would have been a different feeling if we'd lost. Would have been harder to celebrate, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, ended up kicking kicking four goals, and um, it was the talk of the town for you know a couple of weeks, and was getting plenty of love, um, you know, from the fans, I guess, um, from my teammates, and um, yeah, obviously mum and dad. There's footage of mum and dad just going crazy in the stands um, <clears throat> with my brothers. So. Um, 
yeah, I'm very, very fortunate. A lot of people ask me, you know, whether, you know, whether I was disappointed in getting delisted, but, um, you know, to be able to have that, you know, those memories and be able to give that into my family to have those memories, like I'll, I'll forever be grateful to Frio for giving me that opportunity. Yeah. I'm glad you bring that up because there's something I want to ask about because you never really hear about delisting. You hear about getting drafted, but because obviously yeah. delisting is the opposite of those emotions. Um, yeah. What was the what what actually happens in that? How how does it how does it all how, how does it all occur? So, I mean, as a rookie, like I was on a year to year contract, um, kind of come the end of the season. You know, I don't know. You man, you got everyone's got a manager who's working in the background trying to get you, you know, a year or two years, whatever it is, depending on performance and um, list spots. There's a lot of factors that go into into that. Um, but yeah, no one really seems to know a lot about um, getting delisted. I think a lot of the kids, especially, kind of go, well, "I missed it. Like, did you retire or did you get fired? Like, you know, why'd you retire? Why aren't you playing anymore?" Um, yeah, it's not as simple as that, unfortunately. Um, but really I was kind of going into that last season um, and that, you know, that fourth season for me was, was fairly difficult in terms of just the messaging and um, the changing of roles and I wasn't, you know, the messaging wasn't consistent in terms of what they wanted out of my position. I'd go back and play as a lockdown defender or as, a, as more of a running half back. I think they wanted me to develop my, my running game I wasn't offering enough um, as an attacking defender so I'd kind of go into the waffle and, and have a license to run and, and take off and try to be more damaging and then I'd kind of get the call up into the AFL side and be reverted back to that lockdown defender role so um, it was hard yeah I didn't really have that consistency in my last year and um, <clears throat> yeah probably reached my capacity I guess as a player I was, I was never a gun so um you know, I'd grown a lot in those first three years, probably just got a little bit stagnant in that last. And, um, yeah, you're kind of going into the end of the season without a contract. Your manager's trying to work on something, but, um, yeah, inevitably just get called in for a meeting, like getting called to the principal's office and um, the list manager and, um, you know, Peter Bell are just sitting there and you kind of know what's coming, like, um, there was a handful of, of us that got delisted and got a similar text mess, like a dooms, doomsday text message going, hey, can you come to the club at <clears throat> a certain time? And, um, yeah, they basically say thanks for your, thanks for your services. Um, good luck. And that's it. Like you just walk into the locker room, grab your bags and, and, um, head out. It's, uh, it's brutal. And, it's, um, yeah, it sounds yeah, tough. Yeah, it is. It's, um, Oh, and it was, it's got to be tough for them as well. But yeah, as, as a player, you kind of, um, yeah, it's, it's rough. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's the, the dark side, I guess, of footy. And, you know, not, not many people are aware of it. But, um, you know, I was pretty, as I said, I was pretty content with, with what I'd done there. I'd, you know, it's, it's obviously hard, hard to hear, but, um, I never really, you know, some blokes live and breathe footy and that's all they've got, um, in their life. And, um, you know, for me, I'd, yeah, I've got, I've got other values and other interests and, um, other aspects of my life that, you know, I was, it's kind of at the stage where I was like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm, you know, I'm ready to kind of develop those other, 
those other aspects and um, you know family is obviously important and you miss out on a lot of those those events and birthdays and things like that just um, it's a yeah it's it's a it's a unique bubble I guess that AFL environment so um, yeah as, as hard as it was kind of making that transition and hearing that and getting the feedback um, you know I've, as I said I was content and um, there was no bitterness towards Frio I yeah, I was um, very thankful for the connections I'd made and um, the growth and um, the resources and you know, all the people that, that would put time in. What were some of the most memorable moments of your AFL career outside of that debut game? Um, oh, just being able to, you know, just kind of starting and, and looking over and playing against, you know, or shaking hands and then trying to lock down some some great players like uh, um, Gary Ablett Jr., Patrick Dangerfield, Eddie Betts, um, you know, Justin Martin kind of being assigned similar to, you know, the Stephen Milne, I guess, role that, you know, back at Nycliffe kind of got to the stage where I was getting assigned to, to lock down these, you know, absolute superstars of, of the game. Um, so I guess in reflection, um, you know, at the time, I was probably in the back of my head. I'm kind of in and out of the side, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm nervous, kind of wanting to impress and, and play the best footy I can. But um, yeah, on reflection, like just, I guess, you know, seeing photos or just looking back and saying, you know, like, yeah, I, I played on, on the Dustin Martins and the Gary Ablett Juniors will be something um, that's definitely a highlight for me um, and you know just little things like I learned during you know playing on goes like that like I remember playing on Eddie Betts and he's running um, with his back to the footy and I'm like how's this bloke know where the footy is and like, I look at him and he's he's watching the big screen <laughs> to see where the see where the ball is like he's not even watching the game like the actual footy he's watching he's looking at the big screen going like all right like now, now I need a lead, or so just like little things like that. I'm just like far out. So, um, we've, we've had little conversations personally uh, over the time. What were some of those players like, like a Gary Ablett Jr. and Dustin Martin, Patrick Dangerfield, to actually play on? Like the conversation on the field, and like what were what was it? What were they like? Um, oh, I never really had any like back and forth banter or sledging or anything like that. Like. I don't know. As a lockdown defender, you probably avoid um, getting too too lippy because if it, like they kick a goal on you, like it, yeah, you don't really want to fire those blokes up and get under their skin because they'll probably kick a bag on you and put you back in your box pretty quick. Um, but no, I think all of them, like Eddie, Eddie's obviously um, very casual and happy for a chat and just friendly guy to play on I don't think any of the yeah any any of those guys that I mentioned were you know different to what you'd expect Gary Ablett was just you know serious kind of elite you know top performer kind of on his game Dangerfield similar Dusty was um you know very relaxed and just I think at, at one point we'll just like he just went and stood in the shade at, at Optus at Optus Stadium just because he didn't want to be in the sun like he was just this was right before finals too, so yeah, he was just he was just cruising, and then obviously just lit it up. I think that was the first the first year they won it. 
Like we played them in the lead up, and we got flogs, but yeah, he was just, just chilling out on the out on the wing, just having a <laughs> having a fat time. Okay. I think I remember you saying to me um, in regards to Dusty that he didn't talk much. He's lucky he's in the media. He didn't really talk much on the field. No. He didn't say anything. No, no. He, yeah, he was, he was pretty relaxed. Yeah, he wasn't. He's pretty quiet, I think, on field, off field. Like, it's kind of what you expect from him. Yeah, it wasn't anything different. So you played on Eddie at AFL. Did you end up playing on him again in the NTFL, you know, post your AFL careers? Um, I didn't. We did play them. Um, yeah, we played him out at Palmerston when he first uh, had his first season, and I and he killed us. Um, and I probably should have played on him, but it was early in the season, and I just thought it was an opportunity. You know, I kind of saw the we had some young players as well. I thought it was a good opportunity, a good learning experience for them to kind of end a story. You know, similar to myself and Stephen Milne back when I was coming through the ranks. Like, um, so we ended up giving it to. One of our, you know, developing players, and he would have he would have taken more from that experience than I would have. Um, yeah, it was. Um, I've got a photo somewhere of us um, shaking hands after that game as well. So, um, yeah, very very fortunate to to cross paths with a player of his caliber, and um, you know, yeah, he's a, he's a great player. Like some of the goals he's kicked in his career, unbelievable, and the way he goes about. Um, you know, his life and given the hardships he's gone through and the racial um, things that he's had to endure, like, yeah, he's, he's definitely going to be remembered as one of the greats, I think. I was a fitness coach at Palmerston for two years and on um, one of those pre-seasons, I think it was the second pre-season, um, Froggy Davey had brought him down to pre-season and he joined in and I think that session they were doing some two and three minute efforts where you just run as far as you can in two or three minutes. Yeah. And his running was elite. It was like a midfielder. It was incredible. And just for a guy that played in a forward pocket that you wouldn't think needed to do that much running, yeah. his ability to, to get to that high intensity, you know, running and hold it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I wish, um, I wish those forward pocket players didn't, didn't run as much as they did. It would have made my life, my fitness... <laughs> A bit easier, but um, no, it's it's a hard position to play, especially at that top level. You've got to be, you know, at the at um, at the back of contest, but you also got to be, you know, front and center to the big tall forwards. So you're you're constantly moving up and down the ground. You've got to be an outlet, um, you know, coming out of your D50, but got to be an option, I guess. It's a very it's a very hard position to play um, at the top level. That kind of small half forward role. Um, but yeah, I'm not surprised. He definitely ran me around a fair bit um, <laughs> in those encounters at, at AFL level. So you're back now at Nycliffe Tigers, the club where it all started for you. You were captain last year. Are you captain again this year? Uh, I, I think so. To be honest, I haven't had that conversation <laughs> with our new coach. Um, yeah, I'd, I'll be pushing to, to captain the side again this year. Um, it's... As I said, that last year at Frio was, um, yeah, it was, was hard. Um, and I kind of probably lost my passion for playing a little bit in that time. Um, but being able to come back, you know, to my junior club and, um, be able to invest in, in the, in the club that, you know, gave me the opportunity to go to that level has been, 
um, super rewarding and probably helped helped me find my passion for playing again. Um, you know, last year was a was a great opportunity to um, you know to captain the side, and um, you know I learned I learned so much from that experience, and um, yeah, I'm, you know preseason's going really well um, this year, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll be pushing for that for that captaincy role again. I'm yeah, I'm loving being back and love the challenge of leading a group, and um, you know something that probably didn't come naturally to me that leadership stuff before Frio, but um, you know, I've, I've been able to develop that over five or six years now and, and, you know, learn from some great, um, great leaders in, you know, the Matthew Pavliches and the Matt Fife's and, um, you know, just drawing on, drawing on little things that, that I've learned from them. Um, you know, hopefully can leave my own footprint or legacy at, at Nycliffe in, you know, 20 years time, hopefully. And what are you looking forward to the most from this season? Um, it's a good question. I, yeah, we were pretty disappointed with how we finished last year. Um, I think definitely, you know, the challenge has been set. We've, we've kind of done the three-peat and we're almost starting that cycle, not from scratch, but, um, you know, we've got to earn that, earn that top spot off. But I'm kind of enjoying, you know, just just being, you know, not being that top dog this year and kind of just, you know, working behind the scenes and trying to edge our way back. Um, you know, I mean, I'm looking forward to the challenge of, of um, you know, winning, winning those premierships again and getting that side back to hopefully, um, you know, playing in, in big finals and grand finals. And, um, you know, my drive is to be able to lift that that cup as a as a captain would be pretty special. Um, so yeah, no, I'm got a yeah new side this year. Plenty of plenty of um, talent coming through. So uh, it's it's, it's going to be exciting. Outside of the obvious premiers in Waratahs and Southern Districts who played against them, and of course you can't answer yourself here. What yeah. club do you think you need to look out for the most? Um. Like, I think Tiwi um, can be dangerous. I think they got, you know, it's hard to tell this early in the preseason. It's probably hard to tell um, until post-Christmas what, what sides are actually going to shape up like. Um, I think with McDonald, Tipping, Woody coming back, um, you know, Michael uh, Bowdo coaching at, at Tiwi, I think he's going to bring, bring a different look for them. So, um, yeah, and hoping that they can... Um, they can be dangerous this year and um, and turn it on because they're exciting to watch when when they are or, or when they can do that. But um, yeah, I think I think the um, usual suspects will be um, up around the mark again this year. I think you know, the Crocs and Tars have, have built such a good a good brand that you know they're not going to go away anytime soon. Um, they're just going to keep you know keep gaining good players and they can just if one leaves the other one comes through. So. Yeah, I think they're, they're the benchmark for a reason and um, they'll play in, in the grand final for a reason. And yeah, I'm not sure how much how much talent they've lost in that over the off season, but I'm sure they'll be around the mark again. Ryan, I just want to acknowledge you for all the work that you do, you know, with juniors as a teacher, 
but also you do a lot of work with the Nightcliff Development uh, Squad. They do a six-week pre-preseason type thing, which I absolutely love. You're a major part of that. Um, you're a mentor to all those guys. You do a lot of work in terms of, you know, supporting and developing. And I want to thank you for your time on the Mind Your Body Show. But before we, I let you go, I just want to go through this 10 in 10. So I worded you up. I've been taking notes of you've been talking. Are you yeah. keen and are you ready to go through this 10 in 10? Yeah, let's do it. All right. First thing that comes to mind, if you want to continue to talk, feel free to do so. Other, it could be a one word, could be a 10-minute answer. It's up to you. Number one, first thing that comes to mind when you think of camping. Um, relaxing. Let's, let's add a little, like, a, a 1A to that. Was it Sandy Creek? Where was the place? Yes, yeah, Sandy, Sandy Creek. Yeah, first thing that comes to mind when you think of that. Uh, campfire. <laughs> Number two, teaching. Um, lot to learn. <laughs> Number three, taking your opportunities. Crucial. Number four, growing up in Darwin. Um, great experience. Recommend bringing, yeah, recommend growing up here. Can't be uh, number five, soccer. Uh, fun to play. Not worth getting up at 2am in the morning to watch. <laughs> Actually, let's do a 5A on this as well. So if you could make it to the top level of Aussie rules or soccer, which would you choose? Oh, geez. Uh, no, I'd still choose AFL. Obviously, they make, you know, I'm not financial driven. If I was, it'd be soccer easily. But now growing up as, a, as an Aussie kid, I think, yeah, AFL is the, the dream. Yeah. No, actually, who's? I think I know the answer, but what club did you grow up going for in the AFL? Carlton. I thought so, yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you reckon about them in 2023? Uh, I mean, after, after playing AFL, you, like I'm, I'm not as passionate as I was before getting drafted. It's kind of weird once you end up, like once you're playing against Carlton, you kind of can't, you know, you can't be a, um, a crazy support crazy fan anymore so um takes the gloss of it gloss off it but um no they're still playing finals they um we went down and watched them on the weekend at the g which was um which was nice they've been useless um since i've been born so it's nice for my dad especially to see him happy and after years of misery um it's nice to see them doing well for sure uh number six a junior development um yeah important for the culture of your club number seven shutting down the what i can't even read my writing here you referred to i think flary players flary flary players shutting down the um, fairy play the flary as in lots yeah. of flair yep <laughs> um it's a thank thankless kind of selfless job but it's important to have someone who can do it in, in every team. Number eight, your debut game. Uh, fluke, but <laughs> it's, it'll be a nice story. To, uh, it's a nice uh, yeah, party story and story I'll tell my grandkids one day for sure, get the highlights up. <laughs> uh, number nine, Nycliffe Football Club. Uh, I would say home in one word. I've you know, spent half, half my lifetime really playing in yellow and black so um yeah proud 
proud to be the captain of that club. Um, there's some really great people and good volunteers that make that joint very special. And number 10, this is a generic question which I ask everybody. If you could go forward in time or back in time, knowing that you can come back to now if you would like to, which would you go to and why? Ooh, good question. Um, I'd go back in time um, and tell myself to just enjoy enjoy the moments and um, I've, I'm naturally don't like the spotlight and and I feel I'm a pretty humble humble guy but I think just being proud of what you've done and um, you know living in the moment and just soaking it up and, and not really you know not really caring what not coming across as arrogant but just enjoying you know acknowledging what you're doing and where you are and um, how lucky you are I guess to you know for lots of reasons I guess as an, as an Aussie but um, you know just being able to enjoy, yeah, enjoy that. And I'd just come back and tell myself just to enjoy, you know, enjoy where you are and, um, you know, be proud of what you've done, what you've accomplished. And where to for, from here for Ryan? What's next? Um, oh, I'm ready to retire from teaching, but I probably should <laughs> do that for a couple more years. I'm enjoying the mentor side of it. Um, I want to keep developing my leadership leadership skills and um, find good mentors and invest in that side of myself. Um, yeah, obviously play some good footy and, and you know, get some knife with juniors drafted and win some flags and, as I said, leave a, leave a good legacy um, at that club and, um, yeah, have some fun and plenty more camping and um, enjoying the, the dry season, I think. And go and clean that car. Ryan, thank yeah, you so much for your time. <laughs> thank you so Thanks, much mate. for your Thanks time. Thanks for having me. Um, Thanks for everything you're doing as well, um, you know, with the young kids. And I know they love having you, and I'm sure you got half of them, you know, listening in. So um, make sure you're nice to, to Jacob, kids. <laughs> I've never had a thank you back to me at the end of one of these. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Very grateful. No problem, mate. Thanks for having me. What's the most overlooked part of running, but the most important? Your mechanics. My new course, Running Mechanics 101, is a nine module course which will teach you how to run more efficiently and effectively. For free, instant access, simply head on over to jacobandre.com.